0: Hello, and welcome to The Becoming Podcast. I'm your host, Ann Fancy, and I'm really grateful you're here. This podcast is a work from my soul. It is an effort to expand the intention of having and creating space for meaningful, deep, thoughtful, and contemplative conversations that often I have with students on the mat, but deserve a bigger platform, a space where we can really connect, think, talk, and experience one another. I think storytelling is powerful, and I want to have places that people can recognize and see themselves in one another, that we can have the human experience here on earth and recognize that it is inherently a spiritual one, and that in seeing yourself in someone else's story, you might be able to make a little more sense of your own life. I feel that all of us, it's our job to keep growing and evolving and expanding ourselves, to invite our own growth in day by day by contemplative looks at life, how we live, why we do what we do, and find our way gently, easily, compassionately, and sometimes not so gently to a more meaningful, contented, and purposeful life. I am so glad you're here. I thank you for your time, for your listening, for your open heart and mind. And I look forward to connecting with you. This is officially the start of Season 2. I didn't know that would go down like that, but um, summer vacation is tough as a mom to get things done. So here we go. Season 2, Becoming with me, your host, and I'm just excited to be back in the swing of things, to get back in the groove and back to these conversations, which really light me up and excite me and um, challenge my mind. And in fact, today's episode... Specifically, going to do that. I have a feeling for a lot of us, and I'm going to start it from the point that I can promise you. I have done this on a thousand occasions with good intention, and the spiritual growth practice um, is also is also a an opportunity to keep growing and realizing that you haven't done it the best and that we only can live from our limited vantage point, which sometimes is uh, we think we're doing really awesome and we're not. So this conversation started out of some of the, the, the things you hear or the memes you read on social media that are inherently meant to be spiritual or new age. And this can come from spiritual, spiritual practices of all kinds. So we'll talk about it on all levels, but it certainly comes out of any religion that you're exposed to, these kinds of statements. I'm in the yoga, new age, metaphysical sort of perspective, and for me, what I've always heard and that's really challenged me is like this idea that it's just all love and bliss and that the goal line is that you're just supposed to be living in the state of bliss all the time and that you're never going to experience suffering, and that suffering is a choice. And I'm not saying that that's not true, that suffering is a choice. But what I am saying is that none of it is that simple, and it skips so much of the in-between. There's so much work between acknowledging, not acknowledging, how about that, living in your pain body and living with your wounds and clumsily navigating the world, while trying to stay protected, and safe, and guarded, and uh, not deal with your shit. That's like step one, major denial, just kind of fumbling through, life is meaningless. And then sometimes we start to make these shifts where like, maybe it isn't as meaningless as I thought. But we're still not addressing the wound and we still have all these avoidant behaviors. I mean, I I talk about this constantly on this podcast because at least for me, it's been the biggest lesson is to really look at myself and go, okay, where and why am I numbing out? And first it was just to recognize that I was numbing at all. Food, number one, was for sure a huge source of numbing through much of my childhood and adolescence and young adulthood even. And That was an experience of not knowing how to deal with anxiety and depression, not recognizing that I am indeed a highly sensitive person, and I had no way to navigate that. I had no coping skills um, that were really serving me other than dopamine kicks from food. And sometimes it was eating, and sometimes it was not eating, and sometimes it was the highs and lows of getting on and off a scale, or dieting, or binging, or starving, or whatever, right? And that... Experience took a long time for me to unravel and realize that I was that I was self medicating. Number one, and even once I had that knowledge, it still took a lot more time to unpack it because it becomes such a behavior that I didn't even recognize that I was having an emotional experience. I was so far away from even being able to recognize that I was having an impulse, a discontent, a discomfort. Um, And I just was in the habit loop of finding a way out. I think a lot of us are like that. And maybe your drug of choice isn't food. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's weed. Maybe it's shopping. Maybe it's perfectionism. Maybe it's list making. Maybe it's exercise. I've talked about these a thousand times. And that is just part of the process of unpacking. Eventually, what we're hoping to do is, one, recognize the ways we tend to numb out. By the way, social media is a huge one these days. Netflix, binging. And I am not above a single one of these. I love me. You can judge away all you want. I love me some crappy TV. Bachelor in Paradise is my jam. And I recognize how terrible it is. But there's something about witnessing... The human experience in that way um, this fascinates me, and it always has. And I make no apologies for that. You know, it's, it is what it is. I'm a human being, and this is at the heart of so much of what I want to talk about on these podcasts and in life, is authentically owning the experience of being human. So back to step one, figure out how do you prefer to numb? Right? Some of us numb out by blaming and putting all of our energy in projecting everything at everyone else. It's not me, it's somebody else. I'm not, I'm the victim. It's because of X, Y, and Z that this happened. It's because of my childhood. It's because of the way that I was parented. It's because these bad things happened to me. And I think that's all valid information to know about yourself. But at some point we need to start rad- taking radical responsibility. And owning that it's also, you can't change what happened to you, but it is your responsibility to move forward. It is your responsibility to sort out how you need to heal, what it's going to take to heal. And noticing where those triggers and wounds are showing up in your life and what you do when that happens. I don't know a single person that doesn't at least initially fall back into some sort of protective behavior when they get triggered some sort of judgy, snarky, separate behavior or just plain numbing out. So we can all acknowledge that. But if we're on this path and we're trying to grow ourselves into a more awake person, a more spiritually evolved person, a less reactive person, um, then we have to start to look at how we're wounding and uh, wounded and see what it is in our lives that's triggering that and honor that. And that just means often with a trusted friend that you're like, listen, I'm feeling super duper triggered right now. And I know that it's because of this. And I know that it's speaking to the wound I have from this childhood experience or from my ex-husband or from my mother's treatment of me as a child or whatever that is for you. But I need to be able to speak it. I need to be able to say that out loud and acknowledge to somebody, certainly myself, that this is what's happening. And then from that place, we do the thing we're always working on, which is that we step back a little bit outside of the human suffering, painful, triggered wound, and we ask our higher self, that quiet voice, what is there for me to learn about this? What do I need to do to help heal this wound? And sometimes, at least in my limited knowledge all we need to do is start to acknowledge that we're having the experience of being triggered. Like that, that is a great start. And deciding that we don't want to give that wound power anymore. Deciding that we're ready to move on. And maybe you need therapy, and maybe you need um, energy work, or maybe you need a soul retrieval, or maybe you need to go make amends with someone. There are a thousand million ways to heal. Truly. You just have to decide that you're worthy of it, that you're willing to, and decide that you have something that actually needs healing. Um, Not everyone's going to get better through talk therapy. Sometimes swirling around that is not the thing. There's EMDR. There's, you know, aromatherapy treatments. There's all kinds of things you could do. Ask yourself what you need once you've acknowledged that the wound exists. Now, why am I talking about all of this? It's because those triggers and wounds, those ex- those experiences you've had, or those faulty belief systems, or those paradigms that need challenging, or the dogma you carried in, or you know, just the this the BS that we've been told by the world or told by our um, ancestors that's carried on. A lot of that needs to be challenged, but it also needs to be brought to the surface and once we can bring these things to the surface then we don't have to just hide with when everyone else's wounds show up too, because when we have unhealed wounds when we have really sensitive trigger spots in our life when somebody you love comes to you with a painful experience we can't hold space unless we're really aware and open and honest about our own wounds I'm not saying you can't hold space if you're still wounded and you're unhealed. And I would even go on to say, I'm not sure. In fact, I'm pretty sure that we don't really ever fully heal necessarily. Like that That scar is probably still going to be faintly present in your being. But we can get to the point where the emotional reaction, the reactivity isn't so severe when we're poked, triggered, or somebody brings up something that feels enough similar to our own experience that we want to get the F out of there, right? When you want to run, hide, or just tell them to let that shit go or move on or you don't need that guy anymore. He, you know, he never deserved you. Just move on. Just go get out there and date, If we're not acknowledging each other's pain, and if you feel unable to do that, that is a big, fat, red flag waving in your face, letting you know you got something work to do there, right? So when you feel somebody else's pain, your child, by the way, holy crap, man, that shit will screw you up because as soon as somebody you care about as much as your child or your pet... Or your niece, or some other creature in your life that you really, really unconditionally love, right? As soon as that person gets hurt or wounded, it becomes really, really hard to not want to make that just go away because it's so uncomfortable and you feel probably really powerless to change it. But these are the moments that are the most important that we can look at, we can hold space for one another and say, I see you, I hear you, I validate you, I'm I'm witnessing your experience. Go ahead, cry. Go ahead, share your pain, let it out, be vulnerable. Allow that person space to not have to have figured it all out all the way. Right? Because we can't just jump from a negative, sad, grieving, painful self, that frequency and vibration to something high and positive and bliss and love and compassion and forgiveness and understanding, you don't just get to make that leap. There is some work in between. And from a perspective of just frequency, it's like you just, it's not even possible to just jump from one to the next. And what I see all the time in the world of spirituality is people want you to. They want to tell you to just be positive, be happy, let go. I have a tank top that says let that shit go. And I mean, I mean it to some extent because I don't know about you, but I like to wallow in bad feelings. You know, I like to wallow around and make sure that I really feel the sadness, the anger, the frustration. But for me, it's usually sadness. Anger doesn't really hit the radar very often. I just like to wallow around in it for a while and feel sorry for myself. Um, And sometimes that stuff just needs to be let go. The more surface stuff or the things that are small that are just simply meant to be pointing you back to the deeper wound, right? Because that's often what it is. It's these little, small woundings that are just trying to be blinking arrows saying, hey, dude, you got some unmet stuff here. And no amount of love, light, and bliss, meditation, yoga, church, prayer, whatever, is going to undo that automatically, It's like for me, it's always the really painful, shitty reminder that there is no easy button. Things aren't, there just isn't. One of my favorite books, I reference this in class all the time, is my daughter's book, We're Going on a Bear Hunt. And in the book, at every sort of scenario they encounter, like a swamp, they meet the reminder that you can't go over it, you can't go under it, you gotta go through it. And to get our vibration and our life to go from painful negative space into positive, it isn't just as easy as flipping a switch and saying, I got this. I'm just going to throw some love and light at it. I'm going to go do a meditation and it's all going to go away and I'm not going to have to deal with this anymore. And if somebody's telling you that that's what happened and they just awakened and then everything was bliss and joy from then on, they are still in the illusion too. And here's really where I, I mean, I've got a lot of places to go with this, but one of the things I really want to talk about all the time is like, is that really what it's about? I'm asking real questions. I'm not pretending to know the answer, but is the answer that we're just supposed to come to earth and be in, and then figure out how to be enlightened and awaken so fully that we've, we're so spiritual and blissful all the time that we don't have our feet on the earth and we're no longer really having the human experience because we've detached ourselves so fully from it because we're so spiritual? I don't know. Because if the answer is yes to that, what the hell are we doing here? Like if the answer is that's what we're meant to achieve and not have any human experience of the emotional life, the emotional experience of me alone, I by myself in this container right and then making connections with other people's containers and energy fields if that if we're not supposed to have that human experience or or you're supposed to transcend the human experience why not just say up at source or heaven or you know whatever you call it the quantum field of energy why not just stay out there where we already have no connection to earth and humanness what's it all for which is probably another conversation for another day but why are we trying so hard? I know the obvious reason, because pain is painful and suffering is hard. But why are we trying so much in the spiritual world to transcend the human experience? I think, from my experience so far, is that we are meant to embody. You intended to be here. You intended to embody in a physical form to have the experience. So let's not whitewash all of our humanness with some white light and love and bliss and positivity and kitten memes, you know? Let's not meditate. I mean, please meditate. But let's not meditate as a way to medicate in the sense that we are medicating and not dealing, right? Because anything can become a drug. Spiritual obsession and hierarchy and... um, intellectualization can all still become a way to escape the actual effort, work, and and need within your being to work through the hardship. Now when we talk about spiritual bypassing, it looks a lot like, good things, right? So we hear all this time, like, we're just supposed to not be judgmental and send everyone unconditional love. And certain religions really attach themselves to this idea of unconditional love. Like, I'm just going to love them through their sins. But ultimately, that unconditional love is just a big mask for unmet prejudice and judgment, Unconditional love does not whitewash over the fact that you don't actually approve of someone's lifestyle or choices. That's not how it works. That's not what unconditional actually unconditional love actually is. Right? And I'm not saying religion is the only place that this happens. There was a situation that came up in a chat group or or a support group that I'm in online, and this kept going back and forth. Like, what do you do when you know somebody's outwardly against the kind of life you're living or your beliefs or your marriage or, you get it, your your race, your ethnicity, your um, country of origin, and they have something positive to offer you or the world? How do you handle that? And some people were like, listen, I'm trying to not be judgmental or I'm working really hard to be in the space of non-judgment and unconditional love, so I'm going to ignore that they have and hold those feelings because I'm just sending them love. Now, kudos if you can actually do that, but I don't know if that's the answer necessarily, and I'm not saying it's not, and I'm not saying I'm evolved enough to understand it. I am, although evolved enough to ask the questions I guess about where do we make draw these lines and if you insert say the LGBTQ designation to this and that somebody doesn't support same-sex marriage but they're doing these good things in the world and they tell everyone that they unconditionally love them even though they don't approve of the way you're living and where do you draw lines for this and if say if you're like well that's okay they love me even though they don't accept me my life then what if you were to insert that with um, you know, something that had to do with race or Islamophobia or, I don't know, anything, any oppressed group of people? At what point do you draw the line that no, you would then no longer openly support that person? So I guess what I'm saying is like, where does that idea of unconditional love start and end? I think it's more complex than just sending somebody love to not contribute to the judgment. Um, and that there's like answers that are that you can send them unconditional love and acknowledge that they're trying to wipe out the reality that they hold judgment and that they're not accepting a view bec- under the name of their religion. And I don't mean to turn this into a religious conversation, but most of us has been have been exposed to religion at various times in our life or have felt oppression from one way or the other, where we can all acknowledge across the world there are religions saying it's their way and not somebody else's way. And spirituality, um, as a blanket understanding, is no better than this this unconditional love masking judgment. right? Because we're just trying to put bliss and light over somebody's pain so we don't have to see that. It's not different. And I'm not putting judgment on anyone. I'm just, well, maybe I am, but I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to understand this really complex question around is just sending love and light and non-judgment enough? And where do we hold space to have a voice? And where do we allow ourselves to remain quiet and be in our own space with it, with the the inquiry. I guess that I feel that we can send love and we can hope that people continue to expand their love and compassion to be without any judgment, without any, but I don't support X, Y, or Z. That we can hope to elevate them through meaningful conversations and we can still have a voice. And we don't become a spiritual doormat that just says, "Well, I'm so blissed and compassionate and loving, that I don't even need to say anything. I'm just going to send them love, and I'm going to say nothing about the ways in which they're continuing to contribute to separation and um, and hate, even if it's masked in goodness." Most people whose religion they're fighting for, it's masked. It's their their efforts are are fueled by what they believe to be the truth and the highest and the best, but it still comes out as hateful. I'm sort of going on a tangent here, but this is much of where this conversation started for me the last couple weeks again, was where do we draw these lines about really seeing where does just sending love to all human beings, where is that not enough? And what is hiding underneath that? I don't know that I know the answer, but I know that something doesn't feel right about that to me. And by right, I mean like honest, true, authentic experience, the overall truth. There's something not there yet for me. And I'm in this community of spirituality. I'm in these conversations at yoga and other places, and I'm really trying to... Understand what is the role of all of these experiences? What's the role of spirituality? What's the role of the shadow? Because spiritual bypassing is really the shadow of spirituality. It's the the ugly little sister, which is a terrible thing to say. Um, it's it's that that thing that nobody wants to talk about because pretending to be blissed out and positive all the time is way easier to swallow and what I guess I'm looking for is what I like to imagine is just radical authenticity that we start to step in and say oh I want to sit with you and hold this space and I'm feeling in my own self this is really triggering for me and not to make it about you but to to help people understand why you're having a hard time witnessing their pain their tears you know and and just being open about that that feels so much better than telling somebody to find the silver lining. Right? Any conversation that's that where you're trying to offer support and you find yourself saying, well, at least X, Y, or Z, that is spiritual bypassing. Anytime that you, you can send love and light when somebody's in pain, but I'd also encourage you to send statements that say, I'm so sorry that you're in so much pain. I see you. I'm so sorry. I wish I could help you. I wish I knew what to say. Though That is so much more honest than simply offering love and light, and I have totally been guilty of those things. right? And I guess I'm asking you, where in your life are you using spirituality or even perhaps religion to hide? To hide your own truth, to hide from somebody else's truth, to avoid pain, to not allow yourself to fully embody what it is to be human, because these are all pain avoidance. This is all defense mechanisms. This is all just simply not being able yet to acknowledge truth, truth in yourself, truth in the world. And I think it goes back a lot to some of the work of Brene Brown, right? It's fear around vulnerability. It's armoring up. and It just becomes a spiritual armor instead of an angry armor or an armor of um, whatever behaviors you prefer to numb out. Okay, and it's an avoidance of the shadow. And everything in this life is, has this, these polarities, shadow and light. And we need to honor both. They reflect one another. They play into one another. And many in the spiritual world would argue that it's all neutral. And if we're here to grow and learn and experience ourselves through the experience of having emotions and being a human being, then we're just missing it. We're missing the opportunity by not... Acknowledging the ways in which we're trying to wash it all away. I really am encouraging all of us to just be open to this conversation in the effort to personally evolve and to become a more spiritual and awake person and ultimately a more authentic person, which is at the heart of everything, I believe. To show up as yourself, your full, messy, complicated screwing things up version of yourself occasionally or often spiritual bypassing self and going yeah i totally do that i see that now i don't like that about how i'm doing that but i don't know what else to do i'm going to get into some space or i'm going to start to try to really radically look at myself and see if i can start to understand why i'm doing that i'm not pretending that bliss and light and love aren't probably the most important things that we're working towards. But you've got you to gotta acknowledge there's always space in between. And even when you get to a place where you can honor light and bliss and joy more often in your life, it isn't usually without still some experience of pain and honoring suffering in others and honoring it in the moments that exist in yourself. And that, yeah, you don't have to wallow around in suffering, that that comes from your own thoughts, but you are human, and giving yourself some grace around all of that. I really thank you for listening this far in. I hope that it resonated with you. I hope it challenged you. As always, I'm just talking, man. I don't pretend for one second that I've got it all together, but I do love being in the questions. And I hope you can at least find yourself in the questions as well. Um, very soon, I hope to put together a becoming community online on Facebook so that we can share and ask questions and contemplate together. Of course, it will be a space that people are free to be themselves. That we can have um, conversation, but without shame, right? Because that's a huge part of it. In fact. Spiritual bypassing, one of the byproducts of that is that we unintentionally create shame in the other person. Like they shouldn't be allowed to have and have their human experience or they shouldn't be allowed to have as much time as they need to move through something really hard for them. Okay, so I'm working on that community. I would love for you to join, but there will be some ground rules and some understanding. And we don't just need to send love and light and bliss to all one another in that space, though that would be lovely, but also really hear each other and talk about things that we want to talk about, and talk about weird things that we're thinking about, and challenge our paradigms, and uh, show up authentic, authentically. That's it. I appreciate you. I'm grateful for you. Please, please, please share, like, review, and uh, feel free to connect with me. Hope you have a wonderful day, and thank you again for listening.